This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 32. We're going to be interviewing a librarian today, learning about how she blends work and life and all that's going on in her life. But first, we wanted to talk about a topic I had posted about on my blog, and we'd heard about from a number of listeners and blog readers, which is that as anyone listening to this podcast, Sarah and I are both the planners in our family. Um, And most of the time, that's good. But sometimes, planners can have a bit of planning fatigue. Like we get tired of planning all the time. And especially if it feels like other people in the family aren't necessarily appreciating it or else you plan and then people feel like they can comment about it or argue about it, even though they did not do the work of planning, which is just not cool. Uh, And we got quite a bit of response to that. A lot of people chiming in saying, yes, this is totally a thing. I have planner fatigue. I get tired. This is how I rebel when this happens. Like I refuse to do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's a thing. Sarah, do you ever get planner fatigue? I don't really get planner fatigue, <laughs> but I do, I do, I do appreciate that it can be an issue. I, I happen to just 
really, really like. Sometimes I get planner overwhelm. Let's put it that way, where life has gotten chaotic to a point where I haven't been able to sit down and do my normal planning rituals, which I think really do help me. And then it's sort of like the days are ticking down and I need to do it and I need to do it. That's a little bit different. Um, I do feel really bad for the couples where it's all in one person, but then the other person resists the plan. And actually that, that may be a Q and a for in a later episode specifically, but I don't have a lot of planner fatigue, but you do, right? I Laura, do tell some, us about I it. think I've just felt overwhelmed with decisions. And partly it's that I'm adding this like home remodeling project on top of it. So in addition to like sorting out, you know, how we're going to get one kid to gymnastics and another to swim and another to wrestling and you know, all that, I'm also looking at backsplashes <laughs> And I mean, some people get really excited about backsplashes and I don't get really excited about. Oh, I so don't. And that's, I'm going to, I want you to keep going, but I'm going to say, I think maybe why I don't get planning fatigue is because if there's something I don't want to plan, I just say no. Like that would be something where if my husband's like, we should remodel. I'm like, okay, well, if you care, then that's your problem. Like I, and he would listen and say, yep. (laughs) Like uh, there are things that I enjoy working on and they're like kids planning stuff, activities, birthday parties, things related to my work. Um, And then if it's something that I feel like is not like absolutely necessary, that doesn't sound like it would be enjoyable for me to plan or worth it for me to plan. I, I say no a lot. So maybe that's why I don't get it. No, no. Well, I mean, it's, I'm not like, it's not like he's telling me I have to remodel the kitchen, but I I think it needs to get done. And our, our master bathroom also had this huge leak. So we have to rip it up anyway. So we may as well make it look like it was built in 2018 as opposed to 1998, which is what it looks like. Um, (laughs) And, you know, 1998 by people with very specific tastes, <laughs> which are not ours. <laughs> so, oh dear. Yes. I mean, there were like little birdie um, door poles on the cabinet. It's a long story. But anyway, it, you should post, post a picture. A picture. Um, not that we're planning on move, but if we do ever plan on selling this house, I, this is work that needs to get done, right? Like it's just the reality. And our living room, the kids have torn apart the furniture. It needs, it looks like, you know, we have issues. Like, I don't know. (laughs) We don't have functional (laughs) furniture. Um, So stuff needs to get done. I'm making all these decisions, but I feel like, you know, I only have so much decision-making ability. And so I'm making decisions on backsplashes and like showing up at a granite yard. Like who even knew that was a thing? Like I took geology in college and now I'm like actually looking at granite it has to come from the quarry or something like, ah, oh, anyway, so I'm doing this and then I'm like getting notes on it. I'm doing a, a website redesign too. And I have to like review the pages to say, well, is this the order that I want them in? I'm like, I'm not putting effort into that because I'm choosing the stupid black splashes. And it's like, this is not what I should be doing. Like I, the, the website is more important for, you know, my priorities than the backsplash. And yet it's hard to do. So I was making too many decisions and, I went, all of a sudden we have all these like trips that potentially could come up. And I just said, I can't plan spring break. Like we know we want to do something. We keep going back and forth on what it is. I cannot sit here and make all the decisions about spring break. So my, my husband is planning spring break. Um, he's sending me various things, um, you know, just saying this is our, our rough plan. And, you know, I am basically like, signing off on it, I guess. Um, but, but it's really nice to not be making those plans. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, enjoying stepping back a little bit on that one. 
I actually think it would be kind of fun someday to completely do a hands-off trip where I just say, okay, Josh, like you are going to decide where we're going to go and we're going to find out when we get there. Or when the kids are older, I would love it to be like a, like, you know, Annabelle and I plan a trip for the family that they don't know about. But then when I asked my husband about this, he was like, no, I like planning. Well, he likes planning. That's great. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm not that big on trip planning. It's not, it's not something I really enjoy all that much. I do it, but you know, my husband and I also have somewhat different, he's, he understands that we're traveling with children. You need to plan more as we learned from our guest, you know, Henley Vasquez a few weeks ago, you have to plan more than if it's just a couple, right? If you're an adult, like, well, you said you guys used to land somewhere and not have yeah, any. Yeah, Well, our, it was rate. funny. Our honeymoon, we <laughs> went to Africa and I had planned the wedding, most of it, which as you can imagine, there was I, I did a lot of planning, like the service was all set out, you know, anything. And then he was planning the honeymoon. And so he had like the first two nights booked and our beginning and ending flights. And we knew we were staying at a resort the last week of it. But the two weeks at the beginning, he was like, well, we'll just drive around. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like I was young. I don't know. Maybe this is what people do. <laughs> and it's like, we, we literally, I mean, we just drove around Africa and there are lots of places in Africa where there aren't that many hotels. And it was a little bit more um, nerve wracking (laughs) for me than I think it was for him. But I think he's also like, he's a dude. Like I think he felt if he had to sleep in the car, he would, but I kind of felt a little bit more worried about that. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it was was an introduction to our different planning styles. Um, So I said, when we're planning, we're traveling with children, we absolutely need to know where we are sleeping every night before we start this trip. Does that sound like a good ground rule? And you've got a, it does. It sounds like a very, you know, that's not like a hard bargain. <laughs> you set the bar nice and low. I can't wait to hear where you guys end up going and, and how well, it goes. More on that later. Well, we are very excited to welcome to the program, Hannah Olson. Uh, Hannah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? All right. Um, I'm Hannah Olson. I am a public librarian um, and I live in uh Texas near Dallas. And your kids are, you have a spread, right? (laughs) Yes. I have two kids. Uh, My daughter just turned seven and then I have a five month old. (laughs) Um, So there's, there's definitely an age gap there. (laughs) That is a serious age gap. That's even more than, is that more? No, that's not more than your oldest. No, but it's very similar to to the oldest and and youngest. Um, Did you think that, uh, you you would plunge back in sooner than that, or was <laughs> it uh, took you that long to be motivated again? Uh, the latter, <laughs> the latter, definitely. Now, until she was five years old, we were uh, very solidly in that. No, yeah. no more. That one was hard enough. We're not doing this again. Oh, Can you change your mind? <laughs> we did, we did. I've I've learned to never say never because you. I've always ended up doing the things I said I would never do. <laughs> and life works like that sometimes. So, how has it been plunging back in? Um, it's actually been wonderful. I think a lot of that, though, has to do with the fact that my um, baby is a unicorn baby. Uh, he 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 sleeps. He sleeps all night, and he has since he was a few weeks old. And so it's just he's very very chill and easygoing, and not like his sister was at all. So if you'd had the second one first, you'd probably have like six right now, right? <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe. I actually come from a very large family, and so I, I've seen that that side of things, and it's uh, really not something I can do. How many do. siblings do you have? I have nine younger siblings. <gasps> wow! 
we weren't even going to delve into that, but I feel like we could ask you a lot of questions there too. That's very unusual and kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, we're all about two years apart until uh, number eight. And then there's five years between number eight and number nine and three years between number nine and number 10. And my daughter is five months older than my youngest brother. So it's it's different. <laughs> That's fascinating. Because did you, what number are you? You said you were... You're the oldest. Did, oldest. I, you learn a lot about, uh, I imagine by the time you had your daughter, you were pretty well practiced in all things baby related. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was pretty used to babies. I was comfortable with babies. Of course, it's very different being the mom, um, um, especially when one is, is breastfeeding and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, so tell us about <laughs> your job, um, because uh, a lot of people don't really know what librarians actually do. I mean, it's one of these people that you sort of imagine just saying shush in the library and that's and that's it. But of course, the job is is far different from that. So please tell us about, about how you wound up and what it, what it entails doing. Okay. Um, well, first off, uh, librarians do not read all day. Uh, that is a complete myth. <laughs> we, we do very little reading at work. Um, what I do is I'm a technical services librarian, uh, which basically means that I'm the one who does the cataloging. So that online catalog that people use to look up books, I maintain that. Our library is pretty small comparatively. It's one library in our city is about 38,000 people. So that hopefully gives an idea of the size for, for people. How did you wind See. up? In, no, that's Sorry. fine. How did you wind <laughs> up in, in this, this line of work? Um, I actually grew up in that library. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I've always, I've always loved books. Um, from the time I was a kid, when I was like six, I wanted to work at the library. It's just that I ended up actually doing it. Um, in college, I was a work study student at the library there. Um, and then I got done and was like, oh, I'm never gonna, never gonna do this. Um, you know, for work, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. But it made you, about it made a, you year, a good offer. <laughs> yeah. <you're, laughs> I had always wanted to work at that particular uh -huh. library, um, and they ended up having a position open up uh, serendipitously. I mean, this is, you know, library world so often. People just, you know, they're there for years and years and years and years. Um, apparently, what happens when they're there for years and years and years is that everybody retires at the same time. Um, so I actually started working there part-time six years ago. Um, almost exactly. It was a few days ago. Um, and then after doing it, working there for a few months, I was like, this is really fun. I would love to do this, but I want to get paid more because this was a part-time job. Um, so I decided to go to graduate school and get my MLS. And then when I was... And that's master's in library science, yes. I'm guessing? Sorry, yes. Okay. Master's of library science. And I was doing it all online, um, which is the thing that you can do now. Um, so that worked out very nicely as far as um, being a mom, because I did have my daughter at that point. Um, All through graduate school. She was born before I yeah. got the job. <laughs> and and so why don't you walk us through what a, a day looks like for, for you? First, I guess, before I get to that, your your husband, um, what, what line of work is he in then? Um, he has been in the service industry for many, many years. Um, at, until a few months ago, he was either a waiter or a bartender. Um, and he's been doing that for 
all of our marriage. Um, a few months ago, he actually got a full-time job as a cashier in like a company cafeteria. Um, so that is full-time um, and has really great hours for- uh, I was going to say that's probably so. much better hours than the waiting and bartending, which sounds like- might not have been yes. <laughs> so exciting for, 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 for yes. I mean, would you, did you guys seriously have alternate hours basically for the first couple years that you were parents? Um, we kind of did for a little bit. That did not work out well at all for our marriage. Imagine. Um, it probably, it probably is logistically good in terms of childcare, but yeah, I could see how it would certainly take its toll on a relationship. Yeah. And we're incredibly lucky in that, um, when we moved to where I grew up, my parents still live there. And so my mom was actually, is actually the one that has watched, um, first my daughter and now my son while both of us were working. And when I was in school, she was, she was doing a lot of that as well. And that's something a lot of people don't have. Uh. <laughs> How old did you say your youngest sibling is? Five, five months younger than my daughter. And so my daughter oh, is my seven. Goodness. My brother will be seven in July. So for your mom, it was just like a continuum. <laughs> just <got> another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And it's very, it's very interesting uh, feeling because I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a working mom and I, I do all these things. But the reason I can do that in my particular situation is because my mother has been a stay-at-home mom, you know, since I was born. Um, so... <laughs> Wow. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but yeah. So why don't you um, walk us through what a, what a typical day, like a weekday looks like for you guys in your household? Uh, sure. Um, well, my husband's hours are crazy early. He has to be at work between 5.30 and 6 a.m. You get to breakfast. <laughs> wow. So you are the morning parent. I am the morning parent, yes. Um, so I try and get up around 5.30 to have some quiet time to myself. A lot of times I sleep in instead. Um, but I pretty much am always up by six thirty, and um, so we have two large dogs as well as the two children. Um, so I will let the dogs out, feed them, um, feed the baby. We'll get get him up and feed him. Um, get my daughter up, get her ready. And since um, since we've had the baby, and my since I've been doing the morning by myself, rather. Um, I've actually just been driving her to school. So all of that takes about, on a good day, we get to school at 7.30, which is the earliest they'll let you drop the kid off. On other days, it's very, very close to 8, which is when school starts. <laughs> um, so I drop my daughter off, and then I drive um, to the city where I work. Um, so it's about I think 30 to 40 minute commute during the mornings since there is the kind of the traffic and, and all that. Um, I drop my son off and then I get to work between 8.45 and 9.15. And you say you drop your son off. So is he at a daycare close to where you work? With the, with, uh, my with, mom watches him. And, oh, yeah. of course, with your mom. Of course, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but and, she, but, and, and she's yeah. located close to where you work. Because yeah. I was just listening to something that was talking about um, like the difference between dropping your kid off close to home versus close to work and whether you have oh. your commuting time kind of to yourself or with your kid. And there was sort of debate over which is better. And I guess the truth is, in most cases, there's not yeah, always a choice. Go with anyway. what you get. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, dropping him off is, is all right. I mean, it, it adds 15 minutes, basically. Adds 15 minutes, especially on my way back. So it takes me an hour from when I leave work to when I get walk in the door. But he's little, so I can listen to my podcasts. When my seven-year-old is in the car. Story. I yeah, it's and she yeah, and she's wonderful, but she talks constantly. And so it's 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 a very different experience with her. And I was actually just talking 
about that with my husband. And I was like, during the summer, you're going to have to pick them up in the afternoons, please, can you? Yeah, exactly. So you get to work between 8.15 and, sorry, you get to work between 8.45 and 9.15. And then um, what what does the day look like from that point? Um, It's a variety of different things. Um, A lot of times in the mornings, I will try and do the cataloging, which is um, almost half of what I do. Um, And that's basically handling the books, finding the records, proofing them, that sort of thing. Um, We're a pretty small library, so I do spend a significant amount of time at the information desk answering questions, being available for reference. And then I supervise the technical services uh, team, which is two part-timers and a full-timer, and they do uh, receiving receiving processing. um, And then um, my two part-timers especially um, have a lot of volunteers that they work with, Um, a lot of high schools used to require volunteer hours that they might not need more, but it's usually optional or maybe like a special activity will require them. So you have a lot of teenagers who need volunteer hours. So you've got a lot of volunteers um, there, the, the teenagers. and all, mm-hmm. do, you, do you get any breaks during the day or is it just sort of go, go, go from the time you get there? Uh, yes. Um, we get an hour lunch. I think we're allowed to do two 15 minute breaks, um, but a lot of people don't yeah. take them. Because <laughs> work um, gets busy. I kind of, I don't take them in one block, but that just means when, if there's something that comes up that takes my attention away for five minutes, I don't worry about it. Um, I am not breastfeeding, so I don't have to worry about pumping. Major <laughs> How did you make that, how did you make that choice? Um, well, I had an unexpected C-section and after the C-section, I was just physically exhausted. And, and so they were, you know, they do the thing where they try to get the baby to nurse. He wasn't latching on. And I was like, let's just not let's just not worry about it. We'll just give him the bottle. No, and that is perfectly fine. Um, You know, we've talked about this definitely before. We do not want to judge anyone who makes one choice versus the other. So if you're not doing that, so so do you get to do anything sort of for you during your breaks or how does that wind up working? Um, Yes. During lunches, I typically will either read or, you know, putter around online Things like that. Sometimes I'm able to go to lunch with friends, um, which is really nice. So usually it's it's just me reading or something rejuvenating during the middle of the day. I love that day. librarians have to read on their breaks. Um, <laughs> you're surrounded by books, but you can't pick yes. them up because you're too busy with everything else. And so then what time do you wind up leaving uh, for the day? What time do you get off your shift? Um, I will leave either at 6 or at 5, normally at set. Six, and then I do have the one day, which is today, where I do work twelve to nine instead. But yeah, normally I leave at six, and I pick up my kid, and I get home at seven, and we immediately yeah, have, have dinner. And is, so, your husband is also home by that point, or uh, yes, he gets off around two fifty two thirty. Gets home around three three fifteen three thirty, and then my daughter's bus arrives at three forty five. So basically, he picks her up from the bus stop. And he's with her the rest of the day. Um, she has, I think, gymnastics one day, and she's going to have soccer practices, and so he'll take her to those. And he's able to make dinner. So that's that's really exciting because we don't have to do aftercare for her. Oh, that sounds fantastic, um, like a very nice yeah. thought-out division. Yeah, there. so you're kind of the morning yes. parent, and then he has the afternoon um, with, with the older child who's there in, in your mm-hmm. the same town as, as where you live. Um, and then it makes sense for you to pick up your son because that's where – Yes, because he's, you know, five minutes away. And so do you, I mean, now that you guys have 
sort of similar hours in the sense of not having the opposite hours anymore. How, how has that changed your marriage and how you manage things together? Um, I mean, I think we've always been uh, pretty equitable in a way that I don't often see among my like people I went to college with, which is which is interesting because he's always done more around the house than typically people will talk about their husbands doing, for example. Um, and then I was also working full time. I've been working full time since I got this job five years ago, and he's been part time through most of that. And do you think that division of um, labor so, has happened because of that? Like, do you think that the fact that you are the primary breadwinner sort of nudged him into doing more than he might have otherwise? Or do you think he was sort of more always like that? Um, I think part of it was he was more always like that. Um, I think part of it was I asked. Well, that's, which is uh, great. For, for uh, that. So, how, so you yeah, two no, Sarah's probably going to ask this. Like, formally yeah. What did the Like, do you have do? meetings? Like, do you two formally communicate about it? Yeah. So I'm the logistically minded one. <laughs> um, so, so... A lot of the, the logistical side of things, I do do. So what actually needs to get done when um, I'm often the one that's figuring that out, and then I'll ask him to do specific things. Um, though, of course, there are exceptions to that. I would like to do it more formally, especially the weekends. Um, I know, Sarah, you've blogged and talked on the podcast about your weekend planning, and I I'd love to do something like that. <laughs> it, it, and it only, I, I totally get it when when people mm-hmm. find that it doesn't work because if their partner really hates it. So I, you know, I don't, I don't like to be like, oh, this is the answer for everyone. But if your partner is open to it, I do think it helps. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's really always kind of been like that. And I think the biggest difference now is that we're both tired at 7 p.m. Um. So before, you know, we, of course we were, we were both tired, but now it's like, we're both really tired. And so how do you guys manage yes. your energy? I mean, what, what do you do to kind of keep yourself going, knowing that you do have this long work day and then you have the little kids to deal with after? Um, that's honestly still something that I think we're trying to figure out. <laughs> um, for me right now, part of the things I've been trying was um, the getting up earlier um, to have kind of quiet time. And then I think also I'll be able to use my lunch period pretty intentionally to get some of that rejuvenating quiet time in. Cause that, that's something I, I really notice the absence of if I just go, go, go all day and don't have any sort of quiet time or, or reading. Reading is a big thing for, for me, regaining mental yeah, energy. I can imagine so. Um, yeah. And then of course our house is just a uh, a total mess. So that's probably going to happen with the big. Does that bother anyway. you? <laughs> oh yeah. Does it bother you, yeah. or are you sort of at peace with it? Um, it it does bother me, but at the same time, there's there's a limit to our our energy, and I'm I'm realizing that most likely we will we will need to find a way to outsource that, or um, to probably just make peace with it because there's yeah, just realistically. That's probably going to be something that's that's going to be on the back burner for a while. And that's okay. That's, <laughs> as far that's as Laura's priority. priority. She's like, accept, accept it. it. <laughs> so Hannah, I have one sort of off, ball, <laughs> off question, but uh, I bet at, when you're working at the information desk, you get a lot of crazy questions. Is that true? Um, okay. Sometimes. So tell me what some of the stranger questions you've been asked at the information desk. Or maybe something obvious like... 
Like, why would you ask me that? I've just heard that like brands get asked questions like, well, there's this book I want and the cover is red. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Yes. That that is definitely a thing. Um, I have had people, I think it was, yeah, there was one particular time. um, There was a probably, she was 11 or 12 and she asked for a particular book and she knew what it was about and she knew like the size size of the book. And you were supposed to be um, able to know what that book was based on that. Yes. Um, thankfully, we actually had uh, the account history. No, it wasn't the account history. There had been a fine on the book and it got turned in late. So it was in her record. And I said, is that the book? And so we were able to figure out which book it That's was. So um, oh, wow. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we knew she checked it out before. So I was like, oh, well, we can, we can look there. Which has not always been the case. And of course, you have the, the people that are kind of living in their own worlds who who ask interesting questions. Um, but So Hannah, you went back to work relatively soon after your second child was born, right? Yes, I had four And how did you, <laughs> you had a C-section too. So that, that yes. I'm just very curious how that wound up working was that very tough to get back to work so soon after major surgery um not too horrible thankfully yeah because I think let's see yeah the first I worked right up until the day before I went into labor um and then I ended up having the c-section which as I said was unexpected and so um I think the first two weeks I was extremely glad I didn't have to go anywhere because it was still really you know difficult, painful to move around. Um, by the time I did go back to work and I eased back into it, so I wasn't full-time, uh, those first two weeks and I wasn't doing the desk. So it was basically just, I was at my desk. I wasn't walking around, you know, showing people where things were or anything. And it got down some, it was, it was more just like particular motions would, would trigger pain or whatever, whatever. And then, um, at six weeks when I was back full time, I was I was pretty much. And was recovered. your mom taking care of your son at that point, or did was your husband able to do any time off at all? Um, he took about a week off, um, but when the baby was born, he was still at just a regular restaurant as a waiter, and so there is no FMLA, there is no. Yes, pay so you guys time just off. had to make it work with that. Um, Yes. And he was really lucky at that job because um, he was experienced and they were very understanding. And so they actually had given him this regular schedule of only working during the days, which is incredibly unusual um, in food service. Um, But yeah, so he just took a week off and and then he was gone. And then I had different um, family members that came and helped me out. So, and at I was also lucky in that I was actually ready to go back to work at four weeks. I was ready to to use my my brain in that way again and and be around adults, <laughs> um, which I know a lot of people don't feel that way at four weeks after a baby. Um, and also, I was not breastfeeding, which I think was a very big part of that as well. Because I remember with my first one, who I breastfed for two years, um, that I there's no way. I could have been going back to work at that point. Well, and you had your mom too um, for, you know, knowing when you did go back to work, you had that childcare situation in place as well. Yes. Yes. That was another, another reason I could do that so early. Cause I think if we had um, more traditional childcare, I probably would have tried to do 
a longer leave, though I would not have been able to get paid for it all, which was the main reason I went back as soon as I did. All right, Sarah, do you have anything else? Um, well, we didn't talk too much. You talked about not planning right now to outsource your cleaning and, you know, with a young baby. And, um, I know you, you kind of mentioned previously when your emails, not having like tons of extra, uh, financial wiggle room, but has there been anything that you found has been really like worth trading off for anything that you, you feel like, well, I'd rather, you know, get discounted X, Y, Z, as long as I can blank, you know, is there anything that stands out for you? Um, the first thing that springs to mind is actually that uh, we have been using Blue Apron, which is one of those meal preparation services. Oh, cool. And you guys have been liking it? And it's, it is. It's it's really good. It's pricey um, for us. I was just looking at our budget, and it's a significant portion. I don't know if we'll be able to keep it up, but the meals are really good, and the fact that it all comes in the box, and it's all there, it's all the right amounts, and all you have to do is cook it. like that. Our, our issue has been figuring out what to eat and then buying the right ingredients in the right amounts and not accidentally you know, wasting any of it. Um, so having the Blue Apron um, do that part for us has been really nice. Cool. That's so funny because I feel like that those meal service kits seem like one of the most divisive issues. People are, are, are either in love or absolutely don't get it at all. So I'm, I'm, it's interesting to hear from someone who is in the camp, who's Very in the cool. Blue Apron camp. Yeah. All right, well, let's do our love of the week then. Uh, Sarah, what do you have this week? Well, I thought that since we had a librarian on our show, that <laughs> I would give, as as I've been mentioning, my maternity leave has been kind of like a reading renaissance for me. I, you know, last year, I think I read 24 books, but I just finished my like 15th book and it's February 20th for this year. So like, yeah, lots of books. And I just read um, the book Only Child by Rhiannon Naveen, N-A-V-I-N. And oh, it's very heart-wrenching. The subject is actually, I started it right before the um, the Parkland um, tragedy happened, but it is on the same topic and it's a novel and it's heart-wrenching, but it was beautifully done. And um, one of those books that you just kind of devour and makes you think and yeah. So that's my love of the week. So mine, I'll go ahead. I'll do something along those lines, um, although not really, um, <laughs> but uh, also book related <laughs> is um, I found this article on BuzzFeed, um, which I will, you know, not discuss how I wound up on BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was called 46 Brilliant Short Novels You Can Read in a Day. Um, this is great reads under 200 pages, more or less, um, a, a compilation by Dan Dalton. He has gone through and found like a bunch of short novels and some you've heard of, obviously stuff like animal farm or whatever, but then others are this like offbeat stuff. I mean, I, I read one called mezzanine. I would just, am finishing one called speedboat. I found this um, Gabriela Garcia Marquez novel, novella on it. Um, and, and so they're all very short, which I kind of felt like I needed some short books after hacking my way through Moby Dick and some other kind of longer <laughs> works lately. And so it's, it's, you feel like you're reading a real book, but they're short. And so there's like 46 on here. So I was like on, you know, my Kindle just loading as many of them up as I could to, to have a few short reads. So I encourage our, our listeners to, to Google that one. So, um, All right. Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed for the win. Hannah, what, how about you? Um, well, 
I'm going to pick, um, there is a magazine called Bella Grace, and they actually, the creators refer to it as a bookazine. It's almost 200 pages. There's no ads. And what it is, is it's pretty pictures and um, like short pieces about living like a beautiful, ordinary life. And so it's very, you know, easy to read, encouraging. Um, it reminds me kind of of lit, lit mags, um, like what we had in high school and college, um, except it's not so much uh, literature. It's more like kind of short personal essays. Um, and it's just really fun to read. And I was given a subscription to it uh, by one of by my family members for Christmas. And my first issue arrived a few days ago. It's a quarterly um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a less frequent magazine, but it's so big. Um, it makes sense. And so it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Sounds, to read. Can you say the title of it one more time? Uh, Bella okay, Grace. Cool. Sarah and I are both major magazine addicts. So we all have, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just listened to your episode. <laughs> we will have to check that one out. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. This listener um, sent us a question that we both thought was very interesting. You know, we've done some episodes looking at gender divides and we've talked about outsourcing. And to some extent, this question addresses both of those topics. So here it goes. I started listening to the podcast a few months ago and recently started to go back and listen to episodes I missed. I just listened to outsourcing and had a question. I've had a cleaner since my son was two and it has been a lifesaver. My son is now seven and I realized he wasn't learning cleaning skills. Growing up, my family, all girls plus my parents, had an elaborate chore chart which included everyone. We had it mapped out every night who was responsible for cooking, setting the table, clearing the table, washing and drying dishes, as well as weekend chores. In my late teens and 20s, I was shocked by how little the guys I dated knew about taking care of a house. My boyfriend's mom had to teach him how to do laundry when we left for college at age 20. Side note, um, I think my husband had that experience as well. I did not. <laughs> All right. I, I vowed that if I had a boy, he would help with chores and know how to clean a house and do laundry. I'm wondering if teaching your kids how to do household chores is a priority and how you handle it with outsourcing. I stopped my cleaner six months ago since this was a big concern of mine, and we now have one hour family cleaning time on the weekends. It is not perfect. The house is definitely dirtier, and some weeks I feel like I'm doing the bulk of the work. But I feel like we are teaching my son that if the three of us work together, we can get these mundane tasks, which are important, done and still have fun. About every other month, I do contemplate calling the cleaner again, though. I'm curious how you approach this in your families. Yeah, I mean, I would say that this is making an issue out of something that is not really an issue. I mean, I don't know about other people's households, but I would say that even in the times when we have had, you know, weekly cleaning services or something like that, there's still a lot of other work to be done too. Like that in no way takes all of it off our plates. Like there's still plenty of other stuff to get done. And so the kids are learning about setting the table and clearing the table. Cause I mean, a weekly housekeeper, how would they're, they're not cleaning your table off every night after dinner, right? They're not there every day after dinner. So um, unless you actually have a full time housekeeper, like someone who's there for eight hours every day, you're not getting that. So, you know, there's stuff like setting the table and clearing the table, doing the dishes, um, picking up toys, um, you know, putting your laundry away and stuff like that. I mean, these are all things that you can learn even if you do have a weekly housekeeper. I think what the weekly housekeeper does is, is keeping the house a little bit cleaner than it would be, uh, maybe doing some of the major stuff, which, you know, maybe that's stuff that your kid needs to know how to do. But I think you can teach it pretty quickly if 
you know, that is, uh, I've always surprised when I read like old good housekeepings from the 1960s and stuff that it used to be considered like this full-time job, but you look at their sort of standards for cleanliness. There's things many of us don't ever even think to do now. I mean, like, you know, waxing floors on a certain <laughs> regular basis and making sure you get the wax onto the polisher with a butter knife to, so you get the right technique to get the exact right, uh, you know, level of it's it's turned it into a science like home economic science right but like we discovered once women devoted less time to that part because they more of them went into the workforce that you didn't really have to do all that stuff and so I think it's the same I mean there's certain tasks that are great to have done weekly and you know your house will be cleaner but there's still a lot of other things to do too so I would say this is really not the trade-off that she is making it out to be and if she would like to have her cleaner back because she feels like she is doing the bulk of it like that's certainly a reasonable thing to do. I'd also be careful if you are often doing the bulk of it, that you're still not teaching your son the right lesson. You're teaching him that the woman in his life should do the bulk of this stuff. Right. And that's not. Yeah. I hope the family cleaning hour includes um, both parents. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Because we, we've got to be careful. Like, you know, you can, in some families, I feel like the choice is not that we all learn it and everyone sees that they're responsible. What it winds up being is either we outsource it or mom does it. So you're teaching a lesson either way. Um, so just be clear which lesson you're teaching, right? Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, first of all, she references a chore chart, which sounds awesome, but you could still have the exact same chore chart. It just wouldn't have like toilet cleaning. And if anybody can argue that like they really needed to clean toilets in their childhood, that it made them a better person or that they couldn't figure out how to clean toilets later when they needed to, I just... I'm going to be skeptical yeah. because it's not rocket um, science. Like I learned it it's not quickly. rocket science. Yeah. And one lesson that you, your kids may pick up on is, Hey, um, mommy and daddy do chores themselves. Yes, sometimes, but there's some chores they might not like doing. And part of the reason they don't have to do it now is because they go to work. And we actually do make it very clear that like, um, you know, the reason we have a nanny, the reason we have help around the house is so that mommy can go to work and daddy can go to work. So I think that's an important lesson or maybe that the lesson that working hard will help you to not have to clean toilets someday. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that some people who are still cleaning toilets didn't work hard, but that they're, because that's a very slippery slope. And I I don't, I don't mean it in that kind of fashion, but in our current situation, um, I, I would, might feel differently if I was home all day outsourcing these things, but since I do work, I feel like there's there's enough justification that it, it does teach my kids something. Yeah, and I would also say it's not a bad thing for people to have to learn stuff when they go off on their own, partly because things stick more when you really do have to learn it, right? Like, I mean, I learned to do laundry when I went away to multi-week camps in the summer and suddenly had to do it. And when I went to a residential school for my last two years of high school, I also had to do it. And so I learned how to do it and I hadn't necessarily, I've been doing my laundry growing up, but when I had to learn it, I learned to do it. And, you know, the same thing with cooking. Like I can't say that I did a whole lot of cooking growing up either, but when I was out on my own, I had my first sort of apartment in the summer when I was 19 and doing an internship in Washington, DC and actually had to cook. Like I taught myself. Um, And because I had to learn and I was fully responsible for the results, like I, I feel like I learned pretty quickly and I learned pretty well. Um, and, and so I, there's a whole theory of education, not that we're going to go into it now, but that when people feel like they really need to know stuff and it benefits them, then they really learn it. Um, which is why, you know, people never pay attention to learning like trigonometry because they can't see any reason they'll ever need it. Um, so I'd say it was probably the same thing with laundry if they know that mom and dad will just do it anyway, 
you know, so um, there's something, it's not a bad thing to learn when you go off to school. But, you know, in general, I, you know, just to end this up here, we, we have a lot of fraught narratives about outsourcing. And, and this is, you know, one of them, like, what are we showing my children? What are, what are we teaching the kids? But the truth is, everyone outsources things. And I know we've talked about this before, but like, we don't drive our letters to Wisconsin, like the post office takes them there. Like, I'm not worried that my kids don't know how to churn butter. Like, this is not something I get worried about, like, even though that's outsourcing too. like, we don't grow our own food. And that doesn't worry me that we don't. So I think, you know, it's just about these chores that tend to be traditional women's work um, that people have these more fraught narratives about. And so I would, I would sort of question that and push back on that, um, that when we worry about what we're teaching our kids, it's often that we're still uncomfortable with the idea of mom not doing these things. And so we need to be careful about that. Although I guess I do applaud the, the, the writer of this question, cause she, she did have a son only. <laughs> so that's true. I, it would be much more question where, like my daughter is doing it, <laughs> or, like, exactly. not the son. Uh, but that's a whole different issue not to be going here. Well, anyway, this has been episode 32. Um, turn in next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah at the shoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.